0: Hey everyone and welcome to episode 4 of the Hopeless Professionals Podcast. Uh, Today we're going to talk about how bad I am at God of War, our recent experiences with Fortnite, what we thought of the Nintendo Direct, how excited we are about Shadow of the Tomb Raider, what's going on with Destiny 2, and how many pirate games can they release in one day. All right, let's go. podcast this is travis hey travis it's damon and uh we're just gonna kind of hang out here and i guess talk first about what we're currently playing so damon what uh, i know you've been pretty busy with work and a bunch of different things going on have you had much time to play uh anything new
1: I've not been playing a lot of new stuff, although I did finally finish the Hidden Ones DLC for Assassin's Creed, which I highly enjoyed, and I'm excited to try out the new expansion which just released earlier this week. I've also been replaying the entire God of War series, which is something I know you've been doing as well, and I've been trying to capture some video clips of God of War 3 because I want to make a nice little montage of all of the the boss battles in that game. Uh, I've also been playing... Uh, Xenoblade Chronicles 2, which is honestly really interesting at this point, and I like it. And uh, I just, I'm finding a really hard time devoting as much time as I want to to that game because it is really just gargantuan. Um, I have t- kind of taken a break from Bayonetta. only to give a lot of focus to God of War at the moment because I'm just so hyped up for the new one. Um, What have you been up to? Uh,
0: One of the things I recently did was I subscribed to that PS Now, uh, the subscription streaming service that PlayStation has uh, where you can play PS2 and PS3 games on your, and I guess PS Vita games, on your Microsoft or your Windows computer and the PlayStation and I uh, was pretty overwhelmed by the amount of games that they had available. Um, but the, I specifically did that so that I could start uh, playing God of War uh, from you know, God of War 1 and moving on to, be, to play them uh, as the fourth comes up. And, uh, and that's been pretty interesting. Um, not very good at that game, uh, but I like it. I want to play Red Dead Redemption, but uh, I beat Golf Story. I have completed God of War 1, started God of War 2. And my switch game that I'm currently playing right now is Resident Evil Revelations one. Uh, one question I have for you: I want to get into Xenoblade so bad. I think it's such a beautiful game, but I I just can't find it interesting yet. How many hours do you think you had to play before you really got hooked into what's going on? I you know I don't
1: remember the exact number of hours, but I remember there was a point in the story. You get to this 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 second area, I guess is what I would call it after. there's like the, you know, the first part that happens where you meet and then you get the aegis and then you go to this next area. And it was at the end of that, probably about three or four hours into that part where something happened and I was just like, oh yeah, I'm I'm into this game and I want to focus more on just really finding out exactly what the point of the story is. Because at the moment it's still very mysterious and I'm not really sure. I know exactly where they're trying to go with it.
0: Okay, that's about. I'm I'm about two hours probably before that, and I'm there's just a lot of cutscenes, and it's just whenever I sit down to play, I want to I want to kind of hit the meat of something. So I'm I'm waiting to hit the stride in gameplay there. But uh, it sounds like we, we at least we're touching a couple different games here that we'll get to talk about you know here in the future. The uh, next thing that we've been playing a little bit is is Fortnite, and uh, we tried the five x twenty, and we've tried a couple duos. I'm really frustrated because I love that game and I really enjoy playing it. Uh, we can talk a little bit about the mobile release later in the news. Um, but I just want to share our experience of finally getting you to play with me and, uh, me causing us to die two or three times and then you getting like five kills in a match on your first match. And, uh, I think that's just, uh, I think that's rude.
1: I, you know, I really liked the duos and the squads a lot more than I thought I was going to. I I I don't really like the idea of the battle royale for, I don't know why there's something about it that just doesn't seem to resonate with me. But when I'm, when I'm playing the squads mode or the duos, there's just something really highly engaging about it. It's really tense. Um, And you did cause us to fall to our death on one occasion. And then the other occasion we were running through the storm and we both made it out with, I think one HP exactly (laughs) because <laughs> we were too busy looking for weapons in in some sort of like defunct garage somewhere, uh, but for the most part, I have to say I I really do enjoy it. I want to play more to see if I can get better at it and possibly win for real, like in a squads or a you know duos. Um, wh- what exactly is your take on Fortnite since you've played a? Probably a little more than me, but now we've both been playing it for a, a little while.
0: I really like it. Um, you know, we we talk about how we were Destiny one players and Trials of Osiris and what that would do for my heart rate and making your palms sweaty. And Fortnite does that for me, specifically the battle royale mode. I like to drop in and the audio cues and trying to sneak around. And I'm not very good at it, but I do enjoy it. And it's, I can definitely kind of zone out and play it. Um, and uh, now I'm just trying to get you know, good enough so that uh, I can get Drake to play with me, kind of like Ninja did. That's my uh, my next goal, bucket list. Yeah,
1: um, you know, Drake and Ninja smashing just every Twitch record in the book. Uh, you know what, I, the one thing that I find really cool about that is that, you know, video games are they 're popular media, like I know for some reason, it seems like people are kind of sometimes they 're a little apprehensive to talk about their their enjoyment of video games. I think that goes in a lot of scenarios, but when you think about it, we all enjoy them you know banker, nurse, rapper, whatever we we all find enjoyment in kind of these escape um, activities that we get to partake in
0: yeah, I think that 's pretty neat and one of the things that people talk about, and the more I listen to different podcasts and things, and people talk about the stigma behind telling somebody, you know, oh, yeah, you know, I'm I'm a gamer, and just some of the things that that can kind of pull up, uh, specifically right now with the political atmosphere and what everybody is saying about, you know, violent video games, and, you know, despite previous Supreme Court rulings, that just puts out something that people just don't necessarily like to take claim to, despite, you know, what they like to do in their free time. They don't want to have that conversation and have to defend themselves and I don't blame them.
1: Yeah, I, I understand that. And I think you made a good point bringing up the, some of the stigma associated, but you know, if you've, if you've looked into a lot of the research behind violent video games, they've shown that they don't, they don't tend to make a person more aggressive or desensitize them or anything. Um, so I think that, that goes a lot, it goes really far, I think, to kind of promote video games as a positive outlet. In a lot of ways.
0: Oh, definitely. And I mean, that's one of the things they don't talk about is you know the stories behind games like Final Fantasy or even God of War and how it integrates you know parts of history and and, you know lore and religion and things like that. Not not religion like uh, you know a dogma, but you know there's a lot of learning learning aspects to it. You think of the Assassin's Creed. Uh, you know, learning mode where you can do tours, and you know, it's it's just there's so much more to gaming than you know, like a political scapegoat when something goes wrong, and people don't want to talk about other things that could be the problem. But that's uh, definitely a different podcast topic. Um, speaking of Assassin's Creed, one thing that I haven't touched, and I'm really upset with myself, just because with how quickly I beat the uh, the first DLC, the Hidden Ones, I have not even logged in to make sure that I have access to the new. Assassin's Creed uh, DLC, and I don't remember what it's called—it's Curse of the Pharaohs or something—but I did do the mission leading up to it uh, because you let me know it was it was there. Uh, what did you think of it all?
1: I thought that that mission was on, it was kind of creepy with the sand, you know, apparitions um, in the shape of like with the Anubis helmet and stuff, kind of coming out as you're going down there, and then there's this whole cursed army. Uh, related to the the treasure that 's inside that temple there, and then I thought it was interesting you go to find the guy 's camel out in the desert and you fight yeah. all of the like the people that are on fire, then you bring the the treasure back to the temple, and it says Spoilers. It says escape the temple, and I couldn't get out. And I'm like, what the hell am I doing wrong here? And I'm just fighting and killing all of these these apparitions that keep showing up. And then eventually, I just I was succumb to their power. And flash forward a, a week, and Baek wakes up in a bed somewhere, and the lady's like, you were you were in the middle of the desert, mumbling to yourself. And I was like, oh, that's really cool. I'm I I'm interested to see what kind of storyline the new expansion is going to follow because that mission really i would say it piqued my interest in it in a very positive
0: manner yeah i thought it was a, a really nice per- way to because they like you had talked about last time they've never really let the mysticism run in this game and if they're about to you know really focus a main plot point on it i'm, I'm interested to see how they really let that be the centerpiece i'm excited to play it i think that uh, it'll be fun for us to hopefully I mean, God of War being the main focus, maybe we'll get to talk about a little bit of that uh, DLC and what we think about it next time we uh, we get on here.
1: Yeah, and the, the only other thing I wanted to add is I, I have a feeling that the... The story is probably going to focus on one of the pieces of Eden because there are in other games where the pieces of Eden can be used to mind control people and cause them to hallucinate and stuff like that. So I feel like even though it wasn't explicitly mentioned in that mission, that that will be a part of the storyline. I could be totally wrong and somebody who has already beaten this could be listening to this and saying that's not close. But like I said, we haven't had a chance yet. We hope to do it. By the end of this week, so we can talk about it the next time we we are recording a podcast.
0: That's really cool. I didn't even know that that was a, a thing. Uh, you know, one point um, I didn't realize that there were pieces of Eden connected with the apple and everything too. I don't know that anybody actually listens to this, but uh, I appreciate you uh, making sure we got that that comfort there. Um, yeah, so I think that that about takes it up with what we're playing and a couple stragglers there. Um, you know, let's let's move on to the news.
1: So, for news this week, uh, there was a Nintendo Direct that was kind of announced out of the blue, and it was, by the way, tomorrow at uh, 5pm Eastern, you know, is going to be a Nintendo Direct talking about a lot of stuff that's coming out for the Switch and the 3DS. Um, I wrote a blog post kind of detailing what I thought was going to be in it. I would say that I was probably about 40% right with some of my safer predictions, and then with my, my a little off-the-wall predictions. I didn't get any of them right because they were more like my wish list as opposed to what I really thought they were going to announce. But I was pleasantly surprised by the overall quality and quantity of titles that they had in that. Travis, what were what were a couple of things that really stood out to you in that direct?
0: I, I didn't pay real close attention. I actually I have the Twitter, the Nintendo Twitter uh, notification. So just as things came up, they were kind of being thrown at me and not a lot piqued my interest I uh, I'm pretty I was pretty excited to see that crash bandicoot a PlayStation game that I played on PlayStation one is going to be coming to switch um, I thought that was pretty neat um, I'm for, for whatever reason I'm really excited to play the fractured butthole um, I think the art style there and I've just I've heard so many good things about that I look forward to having an experience with that game uh, but obviously just like everybody else I, uh, I'm really looking forward to the smash uh, and then the uh, what was it What's the title? Do we know the title? Smash Brothers? Yeah, is it Super Smash Brothers?
1: It's probably, I mean, it might have a subtitle or something, but for the most part, we just know it's Super Smash Brothers that is coming for the Switch. And I think that they're saying it is going to be coming this year. And a lot of people, if you've if you've looked... Um, in in some of the Nintendo sub-communities, like the, the Switch subreddit um, and other places like that, there's a lot of debate whether it's a port of the Wii U game or it's an entirely new game. And let me tell you, people are just tearing through uh, every little detail, whether it's a copyright or a description in the trailer title or whatever. In my opinion, I think it's going to be a bit of a combination of A lot of the stuff that was in the Wii U version, but then a lot of new stuff too to entice Switch owners that have it for the Wii U, but then to also make it interesting for people that are either have never played a Smash Brothers game before or probably haven't played a Smash Brothers game in a long time because. The switch is now totally eclipsed the Wii U in terms of sales. So a lot of people that skipped Nintendo last generation are coming back. So Nintendo probably has to give them a reason to want to play Smash Brothers again.
0: Yeah, and I like you had said with people, you know, coming over things to see if it's a port. I've heard the two best arguments that I've heard is that. You know, one, it's going to be a port because it would just be easier. But then people were talking about the opposite. And, you know, they've got Link in his, um, you know, Breath of the Wild, uh, you know, garb and costumes and stuff. And so just kind of saying some of that stuff that maybe they'll be able to add. If it's a port, maybe they'll add newer characters to it. And I don't think there's anything wrong with that. Um, You know, I think the moving it to the Switch is primarily just the biggest goal for them.
1: Well, when you think about one of the best selling Switch games is Mario Kart 8, which was a Wii U game that was just straight up ported with a couple enhancements and then a new battle mode that game has, I think has sold better than, than breath of the wild has at this point. Oh wow. Yeah. So I can only imagine how well this game is going to sell. And I, I think that there's, I think it's going to be a hybrid as in, they're going to take everything that was in the Wii U version, but they're also going to add new characters, new costumes, new levels to kind of give you the best of both scenarios
0: yeah and i think that's a way to keep it topical so that you know the switch is you know you give it that i don't social is not the word that i'm looking for but you know as they have things to add as they add things you know can you put a bayonetta into it can you do those type of updates as games come out well, in the popular oh is she well then they're they're taking my idea she was she, What's that? I said they're already taking my idea. So she, she was in the Wii U
1: version? Yeah, she was one of the characters that was added about a year after the original game released. Um, in okay. addition to Cloud from Final Fantasy, surprising, and Ryu from Street Fighter, and a couple other characters. So when you think about, this is why Smash Brothers for the Wii U was such an interesting um, thing, was because... Here's this game that's primarily been Nintendo characters, and then they had Pac-Man, Sonic, Cloud from Final Fantasy, Ryu from Street Fighter, um, Mega Man. They were all characters in Smash Brothers, and a lot of people thought, holy crap, this means Nintendo's going to be seeing more stuff from Capcom, more stuff from Square. And that never happened, of course, on the Wii U, because the install base was abysmal. I'm I, I just wonder if... We'll see a lot of oddball, off the wall inclusions when it comes to characters in this one, which I think is totally reasonable.
0: Yeah, yeah, I think it would be pretty neat. Um, you know, my main question for you: I played melee, um, which I was never the best at. It was definitely the best game in my opinion. Um, but would you, if it becomes available, would you want to play like a um, an online multiplayer game in Super Smash Brothers?
1: You know, that's a good question. I think I would like... I would like to play it locally... Like, in a local wireless co-op thing, like, if I could have it, and my son can have it, and we can be sitting and playing together on our own separate Switches in the same room, kind of playing, I think that would be fun. I think if you had it, and I had it, and we were playing cooperatively against other people or against even just the computer, I think that would be cool. But Smash is not that kind of game where I really want to be competitive with people that I don't know. I don't know, that's just something that, to me, inherently, I don't like games like that. Like, I don't play fighting games online. I think that it's weird for some reason. Reason, i just do i'll play a shooter online against random people and that doesn't bother me but if you're going to put me up one v one against a person in a fighting game one i'm probably going to get my ass kicked and two i just for whatever reason
0: it doesn't intrigue me yeah i'm the same way i really really wanted to buy mortal kombat x when it came out uh but i just i never did and i never regretted it either um the online multiplayer idea for the switch though is intriguing to me, especially if you look into some of the rumors around the, the grapevine about Diablo and uh, the possibility of Diablo 3 coming to Switch. What do you think about that?
1: I, I love that game. I played it on the PS4 when they had the Reaper of Souls expansion that came out, and it kind of updated the loot system and, the, and everything, the progression in that game. And I, I only played that game online with one other person cooperatively, and to think that if I could have that on the Switch and I can play it with somebody who's in the same room and then also come home and, and put it down and then be on the TV and be playing with somebody, you know, across the, the United States, I, I do find that fun because, I, because it's cooperative maybe is kind of what makes the difference for me in that sort of situation. But I feel like that is a good game to fit with the, what kind of this, the Switch's personality, so to speak.
0: Yeah, I think I, I bought that game. I actually played it on a Mac. Um, it was like a 2010 Mac um, MacBook that was still old. Uh, whatever. Uh, but I, I beat it on, a, I'll call it PC, and then I beat it when they announced it for console. Uh, so I will also buy it for the Switch just so I can, uh, I can have the sweep there and, and beat it on all available consoles. Um, I like the game, like the story. Um, I, I really look forward to kind of diving deep into that again.
1: Yes. And, you know, it's funny how you mentioned playing it on a Mac. That's one thing I can, you can say about Blizzard games, especially the Diablos, the Starcrafts, the Warcrafts, stuff like that. They, they run really well on just about everything that they touch, kind of like Doom. And I have a feeling that... It, it, a lot of those blizzard games like i think starcraft would be great on the switch honestly if you could touch the screen and kind of have an interface like that that would be really cool and then having diablo on the switch having hearthstone i know which has been one that they've kind of teased a a while too i'm not interested in hearthstone for whatever reason but i think that a lot of people if they could have it on the switch would find a lot of enjoyment in that
0: i think it's just i think it's great that you know we talk about the Nintendo Direct and the first party games and then you have these third party games that are really worth playing you know that are being rumored about coming out so we're getting not only the Super Smash Brothers that everybody wants but you know you also have the you know the the Diablos of the world that are possibilities as well and being talked about and it's it's in the right move of the publisher and you know blizzard and everyone making that because it is profitable be profitable because of how well the switch is doing and i think that's a pretty interesting place for nintendo to find themselves
1: yeah and then last last thing in regards to nintendo before we move on is they just announced a Nindy's direct which is going to be focused on indie titles for the switch uh which is airing it's either tomorrow morning, we're recording this on a Sunday night, so it's either Monday or Tuesday morning. And I'm, I'm really excited because we already know a lot of indie games that are coming to the Switch. So I don't feel like they would have an Nindies to just say like, oh, by the way, here's all the things we already talked about that you knew was coming. No, I think this is going to be a lot of other things that people are hoping to see. Um, and a lot of the titles are are kind of escaping me now, but there's games like Hollow Knight, which looks really interesting. Um, they just announced Undertale was coming to the Switch. And that is really interesting, um, not to get too distracted here, but Undertale is made on an engine called Game Maker, which... Game Maker has never played well with Nintendo systems, so those games have never come out on Nintendo systems. And I also think that Game Maker doesn't work well with consoles, but they announced that they have a new deal with Nintendo where Game Maker is going to have a, like, basically, export to Nintendo systems function to kind of allow for those types of games to be ported a lot more easily to Nintendo systems, which I think is going to open up the door for a lot of games that we did not see before in the past.
0: That would be really interesting. Um, I look forward to seeing different things. I'm still pretty excited for, uh, for dark souls. So like kind of like you mentioned, I think that you're right that they're not going to have this uh, secondary direct to just kind of reannounce some of the, the hype from now until June. Maybe they'll start filling in some of the blanks from June to the end of the year, which is uh, always something to look forward to on what I'm going to have to debate to play on the Switch next.
1: Yeah, that's true. And one thing to, to to kind of fill out this last little bit is don't expect too much for the latter half of the year yet because Nintendo is very milestone driven so to say, so they like to talk about like here 's what 's just up until the summer, but then at e three is like here 's what 's from the summer till the, the you know the next winter. They like to kind of go in little chunks they 're not ones to focus on like oh, this is what you 'll be playing you know so far from now, in, unless of course it 's in the it, you were talking about Zelda or other things, but even then we 've noticed recently. They've kind of dialed it down until it's gotten closer to the release dates to talk about those things.
0: Well, and that's another that's I think that's the other the other foot here on with how popular the switch is, is it doesn't make sense to announce things long term because then people start like I'm not gonna buy Dark Souls if in July I get The Witcher, you know, two or something. And you know, you start kind of making decisions well before anything else could be announced. So it kind of lets people Get into the hype, keep the hype alive, and then build hype again after the hype is extinguished. So I think it's a it's a pretty cool move. Um, you know, speaking of hype, two of the games that you got me into that I've really enjoyed, uh, I streamed one. It was one of my first streaming experiences on uh, my old Twitch. Is the uh, the Tomb Raider games, and uh, I think that what they've been doing there. Uh, that was my first ever. You know, uh, my Archer. Love of shooting somebody in the head with an arrow and it kills them, um, you know, moving on to Horizon. But uh, I, I'm excited to hear, you told me, I think about a week before they announced this, that not only did the movie come out, uh, but there's going to be a new game later this year. What do you think about that?
1: Yeah, so it's called Shadow of the Tomb Raider, which I know we mentioned was, um, it was rumored that that was going to be the name of the title. If If anybody has... If anybody wants to know how the title of that got out, actually, it was somebody was working on their laptop for a presentation, kind of like an internal presentation. And they had the screen up and it said Shadow of the Tomb Raider coming 2018. And some some person next to them on the subway was like, oh, and took a picture of the the screen with their their camera phone. And it's just like that's just baffling that that something like that gets out in, in such a such a funny manner. Um, you know, gotta be upsetting, <laughs> it's kind of like perhaps with this Diablo switch, you know, you wonder, did somebody do that little light switch thing prematurely or were they doing it just to be funny? And now they've started a whole um, sort of mess that maybe they weren't intending to. But anyway, back on topic, the Tomb Raider games are up there with the Uncharted games when it comes to just action adventure, archaeology puzzles environmental and combat they're just like the total package when it comes to action story and gameplay and this new tomb raider game looks to be taking place at least a portion of it in like the jungle of south america um, perhaps in like a mayan civilization which i'm really excited to see and you know the other thing about the tomb raider games that they've been doing really well on the modern consoles is that they dive into the supernatural, but they keep it grounded in a way where it doesn't feel too far-fetched. So I'm really wondering, if, you, if you've seen the teaser trailer, there's the, the pyramids, there's an eclipse, and uh, you know eclipses play a really big part in Mayan mythology. So I'm just really curious to see what sort of story they're going to develop for this game.
0: I think it would be really cool. I did a lot of you know looking into... The mayan culture when i watch i watch ancient aliens a lot and then they talk about the calendar and all that stuff so you know the eclipse is a really big deal they were very uh you know stellar uh, people they they paid attention to the stars more than most civilizations of that time so i think they what i what that means to me is that in this tomb raider game they have a lot to work with and pull from to really make it something special uh they're not gonna have to generate not only i guess not just ge- Excuse me. Not generate their own ideas, but they're able to kind of grasp a couple concepts and then really bring them to life in their own way. And I look forward to seeing how they do that.
1: Yeah, well, I mean, like they did a really good job with that. The what was it? The Greek fire was that what it was called in in um, Rise of the Tomb Raider and the sort of I was it the Fountain of Youth is what they were looking for at the end of that game. Yes. The, that's what yeah. I thought. Yeah. And um, but that was like really cool—the way all that was tied in, and it was like this this civilization that was was like kind of under the ice in Siberia. It was just really awesome, and I'm excited to see what they do here. And then especially the fact that you're you're going to be doing stealth combat in a rainforest in South America, I think is is just one of the coolest settings. Apart from, you know, we we've been having a lot of games within the last year or two, that just have had phenomenal settings. When you think about Assassin's Creed Origins, when you think about Horizon, and now Shadow of the Tomb Raider, and then you know to kind of jump ahead a little bit, what our topic for today, um, God of War being in, in Norse mythology, like we've just had these games now that are, are just really doing a great job when it comes to story setting and, and everything that's included within
0: that yeah yeah that is true and i think that that's just a token to how well you know game directors writers um and uh developers are able to keep mechanics because the mechanics in all these games that we're talking about are are still top notch and then they're putting them in these places where not only are you happy with the gameplay or, or more than happy you're, you're having fun but you're also you know um you know there's an inquiry there you want to know more about what's going on around you there's mystery there's a uh, you know, just it's a place worth being in a place worth playing and exploring. And I think that that's a, a token moving forward that I, uh, the games that are coming out, you know, have to, to kind of match for things to be par. And I look forward to being a gamer right now. Yeah,
1: yeah I, I really do too. There's a lot of stuff within the last couple of years that has just really solidified my love for this hobby. Um, a game that I played uh, probably half a dozen times last year was uncharted four. And you know, you mentioned directors, writers, producers, the people that 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 made that game had you can tell that they have a love for their craft and they they are making these experiences for you to enjoy and I'm yeah you you really hit the nail on the head it is an exciting
0: time to be into this hobby so uh, talking about um, God of War and uh, listening to the podcast that they put out about the lost pages of Norse mythology and how the directors and the developers and everybody is approaching that. Uh, I want to go ahead and move on here to our next topic so we can talk about some of the things that they said, uh, plus our experiences with the game. Uh, you know, I look forward to the whole thing. So let's go ahead and uh, do you have anything that you want to just kind of throw, throw in here before we move on to God of War?
1: The, one last thing is just the Destiny Go Fast update is supposed to be dropping Tuesday the 27th. And I, we won't talk about it too much now because I'm, I'm actually just kind of frothing at the bit to talk about God of War. Um, but I want to say that, you know, look forward to our impressions of how we think that that's going to change the game of Destiny. And, you know, people can also look forward to us playing a lot of the new Iron Banner because it's going back to 6v6 and the weapons are being retuned. So that's really it. Just we're looking at... Uh, An increase in abilities, an increase in player movement, retuned weapons, and then 6v6 playlists are being added in. So that's what we kind of are hoping that maybe will help Destiny 2 kind of regain a little bit of its foothold in the multiplayer
0: arena yeah I look forward to that if they want to watch us uh, be a part of the change in Destiny 2 where should they look for us
1: you can always catch us at Hopeless hopelessprofessionals and then you know always check out our site uh, hopelessprofessionals.com we're working on a lot of videos to hopefully kind of round out our YouTube content for the site
0: alright cool let's moving on to God of War alright One of the things that you hooked me on uh, was God of War, and um, I was not good at it at first. I was frustrated, hated the game, kept playing, unfortunately wound up loving it, um, and now we've got a whole lot to talk about as far as what we're covering, but uh, you know, what made you fall in love with God of War uh, all that time ago?
1: You know, I picked up God of War 1 on a whim. I happened to go to the mall, and I just walked into the game store Kind of like, oh, I don't know what I want. And I saw it up behind the desk, and I was like, yo, what's that? And the guy was like, oh, it's God of War. It just came out today. And I said, let me, let me see that. And I turned it around, and I don't remember exactly what the back of the box said, but there was something about it. And I was just like, I need this game. I took it home, I played the opening sequence, and was instantly hooked. Now, mind you i I have played a lot more of those action games maybe than you you might be accustomed to. I was a big fan of Devil May Cry, and uh, th- there was this the, the thing about God of War that really hooked me was the story, the combat, and kind of the the Greek mythology and the idea of of kind of visiting those those scenarios, uh, was really kind of what just solidified the whole thing as one of my favorite game franchises.
0: I think it's a really interesting take, um, the God of War series and what they did, you know, kind of integrating a story of the mythology, uh, where to me that's an interesting topic already, um, and being able to kind of really dive and immerse yourself into the world and interact with, you know, the ancient Greek gods and, you know, see kind of the attitudes there and they, they bring some of the story to life and then you get to be a part of it. Um, what really frustrated me about God of War one was I kept getting lost because of how the camera worked, somehow some of the button responses well, worked and were done. And, uh, one of the things that you kept telling me was that, you know, get through this cause they fixed that, you know, each game is better and uh, once I, I beat, you know, I, I killed Ares, and, and now I'm the God of War. Spoilers. Spoilers. Sorry. I, uh, <laughs> I started God of War 2, and immediately, you know, I haven't had any of those those complaints. You know, the, they've changed the way that some of the buttons are mapped. I'm into the story. I know where I'm going. You know, things are, are I think, are are more well done, and, uh, and I'm hooked. You know, I can't wait to see what happens next. I want to, you know, play and see, you know, what he's going to do after some of the, the events that have transpired, and I think that that's awesome.
1: Yeah, I, I agree. The God of War One for its, for its time, was, was really monumental, but when I, I go back and play it now, and I just, I just finished it probably about two weeks before you did, because I'm trying to burn through the whole series again, to kind of, one, to, to, to bring Kratos' story back into my mind, and then two, to just kind of, I want to have a fresh take on where they were and where they've gone with this new one. And when I played God of War 1 over again, I found myself getting bored with certain parts because I remembered... I didn't really enjoy them that much the first time, but they were kind of like in the way to get to the next big part, which is something that they eliminated in the future installments. There's not, there's no filler. Everything that you do has meaning, and it's fun. You're not wandering in the desert looking for a siren for 30 minutes and then just wanting to to just just put the game down and walk away. And then two, they f- they did fix a lot of the the difficulty spikes. God of War One has these just maddeningly frustrating difficulty spikes that make you just want to rage quit sometimes if i'm i mean i don't know if everybody shares that sentiment but i know that's how i feel especially when i went back to replay it
0: now oh yeah i can't tell you how many times i text you and said i, I hate this game or i'm done playing when I, I really didn't finish playing but you know just strange puzzles here and there that weren't hard because they just, they weren't the right kind of hard for me. Like I like puzzles. I like different things to make it hard to figure out. But if it's a timing thing or, you know, if the camera angle just doesn't work for what they're trying to make you do, I find that to be a difficulty spike that I'm not, I'm not happy with. Like it's not going to make me want to try harder. It just makes me want to, you know, throw my controller and play Madden for a while instead. And uh, that's what I did a few times, uh, admittedly. Um, But I think overall to my plan is to play one and two. I tried to stream one and I think it kind of worked using OBS and the PS now on the PC. Um, but it wouldn't really work on my end, but it seemed, I'll probably try that again with two at some point, maybe on Thursday. Um, yeah. and we could definitely stream God of war three. Uh, cause I do own that because, uh, you told me to buy it when it was like $5, Um, but my, I'm most excited to play these, to get the grasp of, you know, not only the story, I'd realized that there's so much more depth to the story than what I thought there was of just, you know, Hey, you're, you're going to run in through here. You're killing a bunch of stuff. This is what's going on. Um, and mainly because after listening to those podcasts, you know, hearing them talk about Kratos, and the things that he's forgetting, the things that he can't get away from, what certain things mean to him, why he is this way, and to me, it's just like okay, so he's a shitty dad, and uh, but then realize, but, but he's really realized, not, yeah, yeah. And that's I think that's really neat because it it puts a a human aspect on the mortal and the I guess non mortal side of him, and uh, I think that that has made me more attached to the story, and it makes me a lot more excited going through what uh, what I'm playing now to play the uh, the new entry in the saga. Um, and also, you know, just kind of them getting away from Greek mythology and entering Norse, seeing what they've done with the brand new slate of things. Um, you know, as somebody who has played these through and through, I think you told me that you're playing each game right now. What do you think about them starting brand new in a whole different area? Um, you know, from kind of the ground up, what do you think of, of that?
1: I want to, I want to take one second to, to, to kind of reiterate on a statement you said you talked about understanding him kind of like in his 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 emotions and sort of the things that motivate him as a character and you were mentioning how i guess if i'm if i'm not saying this incorrectly but how it's not just he wasn't just some rage induced you know freak that wanted to just go on a murderous rampage if you play the first game you understand a lot of why that happened and then when you play the second game, you'll see more of that. And there was actually a really good scene in one of the PSP prequels, which I hope you'll get to play. They're short. So if you finish the three main games, you should go right back and start with the first prequel, because there's a, there's a particularly poignant scene at the end of the game that speaks to a lot of why Kratos is such a jerk. Um, but then moving on to the new setting in the Scandinavian folklore I think it provides them a lot of opportunities to, A, it gives them a fresh slate. So, a new setting, new characters. Um, It gives Kratos a chance to kind of start fresh. And that seems to be a lot of the things that we hear the director of the game and the people making it are saying. He went to this new place so he could kind of forget the things that he did. But... Is some of that going to come creeping back in, and how is he going to deal with that? You know, he's trying to hide the fact that he's a god to his son, and then perhaps his son is also godlike in a way, and then maybe... There's going to be some of the story beats that we saw in the original games kind of making their way into this one in kind of like an insidious, festering manner, which I'm really thrilled to see how they, they, they work this all out.
0: Yeah, I think that's interesting. I wonder how much, they, I wonder how much they'll tie in from the previous games uh, and how much they're going to really lead into something new. Obviously, the story, the combat, the camera everything is going to be different so i I think they'll embrace the new start um but i I do like the things that they've said i'm trying to keep certain things the same uh from what the players of these sagas that have been dedicated for so many years will will want to see even though they've already gotten rid of the you know the combat and even the the general weapon system i think it'll be interesting to see how they you know put that into such an epic game like this one is slated to be um you know, in, in these new arenas and uh, see how they flesh this story out, um, because I, I mean, I think it's pretty OK to assume that with the way that games are today, uh, this game will come out and there's likely going to be a couple of DLCs for it as well.
1: It's definitely possible, I would like to see at least some sort of expansion to the story um, you, there there's there's something I want to say, but if I tell you this it's going to spoil a lot of the this, the mystery of the original franchise that you're going to experience but when 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 you finish the, the i 'm I'm saying this now when you finish the original franchise series i we're going to have a talk about. What I think is going to be one of the key factors in this story, I can't tell you now though because you won't understand it until you beat at least God of War Two. So I'm going to keep that on the back burner, and we will will you know earmark this this specific conversation here, and we're gonna we're going to revisit kind of what I'm hinting at in in a couple of weeks. I hope.
0: Okay, I, I look forward to that. Maybe we can do a uh, just God of War alone podcast. Uh, like a spoiler cast type of thing where I can kind of get all my my spoilers out and talk about everything, and we can kind of record that and just make it a part of moving forward to the God of War uh, 4.
1: That would be excellent. Um, the, the one last, maybe the last thing that I want to touch on in regards to God of War – you know what? What did you think of the scale and the combat? Because I know that you had mentioned you actually wrote a post on the website that talked about how this is sort of a game that's out of your your typical gaming comfort zone.
0: Oh yeah, I was awful at it. Um, you know, I I've, the button mash kind of thing. For whatever reason, I felt pretentious the way I felt about it because I I just didn't find that fun. You know, again, keep in mind what really got me into everything. That I really love about video games right now Was The Witcher 3 And just kind of There was a more precise thing there Where you kind of dodge You parry And you attack And I've realized though Since playing the game And actually getting better at it that there is a lot to it in the blocking and, you know, doing the combos and making sure, you know, the, the better you, there, there is a skill gap, I guess is, is what I'm trying to say with how things are going, despite how simplistic the, the, you know, the circle square circle square can be. Cause there's a lot more to do than just mash those buttons to get, you know, what you want out of it. Um, and I think that that's pretty neat. Um, my favorite thing about the game though was the, uh, I don't know how to phrase it. The, the visual scale, um, you know, whenever you, you get off the boat, you know, killing the squid guy and you get into Athens and you see Ares just walking around in the background while you're running around doing all kinds of stuff. And it's so cool to know the scale of these things, um, you know, and how things are going on and they're, they're just, they're actively moving around on their own. And I thought that was so neat. And it does it throughout, you know, the entire, uh, the entire franchise. I'm trying to think of another example, but of course I'm drawing a blank now under pressure. Um, But I thought that was really, really neat to see some of that kind of all be presented in the way that it was. I'm very glad that I played the game. Um, I'm going to play a lot of 2 tonight. So once we get off of here, I'm going to do that. I think I'm
1: excited to see what you think of the evolution of the scale of the games from 2 and then into 3. And then hopefully what they do with the new one. I'm really interested to see if they can... Match some of the scale of those set pieces that they do. Um, I totally just lost my train of thought because I had something specific I wanted to say. Well, to to
0: just kind of to, to jump on that, I, I've started to. So I thought it was really neat. You have the Colossus in there um, whenever you're kind of in that uh, that Circle Bay area where you know you have you you become smaller and it starts throwing you around and stuff. And you know, you're, there's one point where you're fighting a bunch of you know little dudes. And, and it's looking in the window trying to find you so I can punch through the wall and uh, yeah. I thought that was really neat and uh between that and then Zeus throwing the sword down is just you see kind of the whole environment be a part of everything and uh in the draining of everything just the mechanics here are they're good I don't have any of the same complaints that I had at God of War 1 and that's either because I don't suck as much uh, or because you know they, they worked really hard at improving I'm sure by feedback of, of people like you who played this from you know the release and uh and I, I think that that speaks volumes into how much care they're putting into moving the saga forward. And I'm, I'm happy to be a part of it now.
1: Yeah, and, and you can tell that the people that are making this new one, they've been working on it now for, I think, upwards of five or six years, they've, they've said. And they've, they, they have probably poured their heart and soul into making this new one kind of both for the fans of the original franchise and then also to entice new people to want to play it and i really think that we're just going to be i think it's going to be more surprising than we can kind of even imagine at the moment because they're being so tight-lipped about it and and the information that they're giving us is so surface level you know we're, we're we're not getting any uh, interesting details at the moment about this new one, which is kind of the best part about it. I'm t- going into this not knowing what to expect, which makes it all the more exciting.
0: Yeah, I'm trying to stay in the dark as well. I think mostly because I want it to be exciting. And it's not that I don't have the urge to find the spoilers, but, you know, there, with Destiny and stuff like that, whenever I was excited about that, I was able to stay out of it too. I want the excitement to be there. I know that there are people who are different and they want um, to see. You know, everything as it comes out so that they can kind of know what to expect, but I, I'm kind of the opposite anymore. I'm trying to stay busy with school work and the games that I'm playing now and let those games really be, uh, you know, kind of jump in and get the full experience and understand and explore and, and discover everything as I do in real time, not because, oh yeah, I saw this on that leaked post that they took down, you know, that's really cool. Like, I'd rather see it the first time and be like, holy crap, this is awesome. Uh, and I, I think that's, maybe that'll change, you know, as we get closer Uh, But it's only about three weeks
1: away, right? Four weeks? Four weeks. Yeah, it's exactly four weeks away. Um, So I think that kind of sums up everything we wanted to say about God of War 1. I want to know what your thoughts are on the PS Now streaming service, because I didn't think it was very interesting when it was first announced but using it to play these old games on the PS4, and then noticing just how much stuff is on it, has actually kind of changed my mind uh, at least a little bit.
0: I don't love it, you know. I think one, the price is, is pretty expensive. But you know, the number one thing is obviously they don't limit how many games you can play. Um, there, I saw like Fallout, New Vegas, and a couple things there that I would like to play. Um, so I, I, I think I do like it, but again, the price is is pretty. It's like I think it's nineteen ninety nine a month. Uh, with one week free uh, Red Dead Redemption. Is, yeah, and then Red Dead Redemption's on there, too.
1: Yes. Um, what I was going to say is, there they do also offer um, PS4 games, which I didn't notice the first time I had gone through it. Um, so th- th- I do feel like there is a lot there, at least intrinsically. Uh, it, it, it's just there is a little bit of sticker shock for whatever reason when you see $20 a month. But then... Maybe understanding the fact that, like you said, there is no limit, kind of helps at least to an extent. I do feel like that there could probably be better solutions, like maybe limiting the amount of games you can have downloaded at one time, so that say you can have you can download two games to your hard drive at one time. Because I will say a specific issue that I had in regards to the original God of War when I was playing it, I was playing a really difficult section. I put the controller down, and I hadn't saved it yet because I was like, I'm going to be right back. And I went upstairs to help my kids with something. And by the time I had come back down, it was maybe 10 minutes. I had been kicked off, and I lost all of that progress that I had. And that was kind of where I was like, I don't really want to do that all over again. And it kind of made me not want to utilize the service anymore.
0: That's definitely a thing. And the way that they, they do it, I've been kicked off enough to understand, it's, they do it like as a, as a queue-based system. So theoretically, you could find a game, say like uh, Red Dead Redemption, if that just becomes so popular, and they'll only let like 1,000 people play it at once. And then you request to play it, and then you're in a queue, let's just say, of 20 people. Is that for says, real? I'm sorry? Is that for real? I did not know that. It says, you know, it's Travis 4596's turn, start game. And so that's kind of how it lets you go in. So when it's kicking you out, it's kicking you out because, you know, if there are people waiting, it's letting them play if you're not, that kind of thing. So I get that. But I would rather pay $5 to download a game than $20 a month. If it takes me two two months to beat Red Dead Redemption, I can go buy it for less than that. So that's kind of my thing on that. Plus, you have to... Pay however much it is for. Let's just say I buy a three month subscription. You have to have uh, the PlayStation. uh, Drawing a blank. What's it called? PlayStation Plus. Yeah, you have to have PlayStation Plus, and then subscribe to PlayStation Now. And it just it's a little pricey, um, considering. Um, But I I think the streaming service is nice. Uh, I don't hate the idea. Xbox is coming out with one too for their first party game. So maybe PlayStation will do that now too to try to stay competitive. But we'll see. But overall, you know, I'm still I'm still on there. It's doing what I want it to do and I'll just unsubscribe whenever I don't want to play anything on there.
1: Yeah, well it serves the purpose right now so you can burn through the
0: God of War franchise. That's for sure. And technically to give it credit, I would not have been able to do that if I didn't know this existed. So, you know, I will give it credit to where it's due there. But I think that about sums it up for me.
1: Yeah, that's a. Those are all viable or very, very good points in regards to streaming services, and and you know, there is there is a lot of improvement that could be done. You know, it, it, um, Nintendo is going to have potentially something similar when they launch their online service in the fall people have been been speculating about this so I wonder if they're going to do it in a better manner
0: yeah we'll see I think that with these streaming systems out you know hopefully if everybody has one out you know obviously it becomes which one does it right and is the market big enough to drive the competitiveness there so that they'll start making changes so that they can you know kind of lead the market and we'll see I, uh, I think it's an interesting, uh, you know, GameFly and things like that, you know, being in existence. Technically, they're combating with them too. If I have to pay, you know, six ninety nine or something a month, and I can get a game sent to me and then send it back, I mean, that's that's a different argument. But
1: I think GameFly is fifteen ninety nine a month for one game. Oh, okay i think or it's, it, it's 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 something but the the nice thing about gamefly though is a lot of times they send you the game and then you can keep it for a highly discounted price if you like it and that that is one i've gotten a lot of games when i did have a gamefly subscription uh, probably about four or five years ago i got i got red dead redemption that way for nine dollars when it still costs 50 bucks because of that
0: uh, yeah i'll look into that and see um Okay. Uh, A couple of things that I just, I wanted to plug that I know we're going to work on for our next, you know, episode five installment. Um, after listening to a podcast today, I I want to compile a top five list of our favorite games ever. Not, not what we think are the best games, uh, but what games were our favorites to play. I think that'll be a pretty interesting experience. I know that you have a, a lot, a greater catalog of games played. So if you need to do like the series of a game to fit it down to five, I, I guess I can do that too.
1: That'll work. No, I'm, I'm excited. I would love to uh, no, but that's... kind of understand what, your, what your, your top five favorite games game franchises are because, you know, we, we, we've spent a lot of time playing Destiny, but I think before that we never really got into and then And then as we've been playing more stuff kind of, you know, lately, we've been learning a lot more about what our gaming tastes are.
0: Yeah, yeah, that is true. Uh, You know, kind of speaking about gaming tastes and tastes within the gaming community right now. One thing that I'd like to revisit once the reviews are out, I want to know what pirate game did better off the two pirate games coming out. Was it Assassin's Creed Rogue and um, Sea of Thieves coming out both on Tuesday? Just to kind of see which one of those did better, and we can talk about what we think about those next time as well.
1: Yeah, i I am not feeling any excitement whatsoever at the moment for Sea of Thieves. But that doesn't mean that if the reviews aren't enticing, that it won't give me at least a little bit of interest into that. I, I'm not sure. I, I it might be because I thought Monster Hunter World was going to be really exciting for me, and I just couldn't get into it. So I, I feel like this game might might be in sort of the same boat. <laughs> Oh, I thought that was funny
0: Yeah, <laughs> well done We'll, well see I, I mean, it, it kind of I'll, I'll watch some Twitch streams And see what I what I think about it It's on Xbox I don't really have many people Who play on Xbox So it really just depends on uh, If it's worth playing that Kind of on its own I guess And uh, we'll see
1: yeah, that that is an excellent point. All right. I do think that about wraps up um, what we had to talk about this week. We did cover a lot, honestly, in terms of news and then uh, the God of War franchise. Uh, Travis, when do you think you'll be able to finish two so
0: we can really dive into that one? Um, I'm going to take some extra time, so hopefully within the next week, so I can move on to three. I'll be able to stream three as I beat that. Um, so just remember to find us at twitch.tv slash hopelessprofessionals, and you can check out uh, Damon's reviews as he's working on those. I need to post some as well. But all our all our content kind of centers around the hopelessprofessionals.com dot com website, uh, where you can find the links to all our social media and uh, our current events.
1: And then the best part now, too, is we are on Apple Podcasts, which is great. And I think we're, we're still trying to work on getting it up on Spotify and Google Play, which, I, in, if, I, if I'm not mistaken, it should be there in a day or two. But luckily, at least we're on Apple Podcasts. Plus, you can always listen to us on um, the Anchor app, or you can check us out at hopelessprofessionals.com slash podcasts.
0: Yeah, or you can fly out to California or Pennsylvania, and you can actually just hang out with us while we record a podcast. It's fine. We'll work it out. I can't believe I just said where we lived on the podcast. That's so mm-hmm. rude. Who said it in the first one? I know. I'm only kidding. Pennsylvania's big, man. Didn't know that you live at 3789 Basic Avenue. How did you know? Charlottesburg, Pennsylvania. All right, I'm
1: getting off here. All right, man. We will, um, everybody, we will catch you guys later. Thanks for listening. All right, talk
0: to you soon, guys. Bye. Bye.